Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Well, today on the podcast, we have Dr. AJ Swoboda. What a fun name to say. Now, if you don't know AJ, I am so happy to introduce you to him. AJ's written over 10 books. He led a church in the Portland area for over 10 years, and he currently has a wonderful podcast out called In Faith and Doubt with Nijay Gupta. And I have to be honest, um, he is putting a lot of good out in the world, and this conversation that we have today is one of those good things he's putting in the world. You know, a lot of people that are highly educated, I find that they might, you know, fit a certain type. And my goodness, he broke all of my potential stereotypes of the highly educated. He's not only highly educated, he's also just such a generous, warm, kind, funny human. And I'm so grateful for people like him who can think really deeply, but also not take themselves overly seriously. And that conversation today comes through. We talk about Sabbath and specifically a book he wrote on Sabbath called Subversive, Subversive, excuse me, I can't talk today, The Subversive Sabbath. And he it's a great book. And I am so thankful to let you know about that because that book is going to be helpful for you to read it. But we discussed some topics in that book today. We talk about uh, being single and celebrating Sabbath, married, married with kids. We talk about Sabbath sex. We talk about all the good that comes into our life and our world when we honor our capacity and the finite being that God has made us to be. And so this conversation is rich. I really, really encourage you to if you take a notes, grab out a note app. There's a lot of good coming from this conversation. And uh, lastly, if you haven't had a chance to rate or subscribe or leave a comment, would you just take a second and do that? We're trying to get to a thousand ratings on Apple Podcasts by the end of August. So we would love to just invite you. And for the growing Spotify community, thank you for rating over there. If you are listening on Spotify, would you also just take a second to rate the podcast there and enjoy today's conversation with Dr. AJ Swoboda. All right, I'm here with AJ Swoboda. AJ, welcome to the podcast. Brooke, a longtime listener, first time, first time call in. Um, <laughs> it is a joy to be with you. And I have to say, it's a joy uh, to be in, in the flesh with you. <clears throat> and uh, and I'm, I'm not in the room with Elizabeth or Phil and Diane, but I can say that this podcast has greatly blessed and helped my life. So it is an absolute joy to be with you. I, you know, I, I know we talked about this a little bit before. It is bizarre to me when people that are uh, deep thinkers and writers, mm. when they tune in, it makes yes. me honestly a little bit insecure because I'm mm. like, I don't, I don't mm. feel like, what am I offering the world? Right. You know, we all do that to ourselves, but I would just say it's an honor when, when you reached out and said, yeah, you were just, I think you were just texting Phil, right? What's the I story? I just texted that? Phil and, and like, I said, bro, your, your, your podcast ministers to me on more levels than you could know. And then he's like, you're going to be on it. So it was <laughs> a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, but to listen, I mean, it's so like to listen to Phil, uh, honestly, Phil, when, when I'm listening 
to hear his the pages turn on his Bible. Oh yeah, like to just I so can cool? see him just his brain like being led by the Spirit to, to all those texts he's, he's stored in there. It's, it's powerful, man. It is powerful, and uh, you know he was he was hoping to be here today, he wasn't able to. He sends his love as I as love I said received. earlier. But yeah, well, thank you for tuning in. And thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for saying yes to this and being willing to meet up. I know for us, we love to do interviews in person, as I was saying. And thank you for walking me to a good coffee shop. You're welcome. I appreciate welcome it. Welcome to Eugene, yeah. by the way, Brooke. Yeah. So glad you're here. Thank you. It's it's not too far from where I'm at, so I yep. appreciate it. So um, I'd love to know, I just want to start this, like, you know, obviously I know some of you and some people listening will know some of you, but like, I would love to know your family, um, you all obviously are married. You have a son. I'd love to hear a little bit about yes. like, what does your life look like? And then we'll talk about career and all the, those wonderful things. Yeah. It's kind of like, day Oh to day. man, I have, um, the greatest, <clears throat> the greatest gifts, uh, from God, uh, in my life. My son, Elliot, uh, turned 11 this week. Yeah. Uh, we had, Oh, congratulations. We, yeah. I will pass that along to him. Yeah. We had a remarkable, uh, Pokemon themed set of parties, <laughs> Um, so he may or may not have received many packs of Pokemon cards. Oh my goodness. And then my wife of 19 years, Quinn, uh, who is my best friend, uh, we've been married for 19 years and she is, um, yeah, what else to say? She's my best friend and she knows all of me and I know all of her and uh, we love each other and we've been married for 19 years. We did recently uh, just uh, say goodbye to our foster daughter who we had oh, for my about eight months. Uh, and she oh, wow. finally has, uh, in a really beautiful way, transitioned back to her family um, and is in a much better position to succeed in life. Wow. Um, but we had her for eight, eight months. And so our, our house is a little quieter now than it was just how, a few how months ago. How old was she? Um, she was 10. She is 10. Okay, uh, she is 10, yes. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, by, just by virtue of her story, um, a lot of the details of her life I've been told need to be, need to not be public information, but I can say this, um, for the foster parents listening to this, uh, it is foster parenting is, is great in the abstract and it's really hard in, in the flesh. And for any foster Mm. parents out there that are doing it, you're awesome. Keep going. Don't give up. You're killing it. Um, even though it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do with your life. I, so I want to talk like, this is not a tangent. This is like, this is why I love having conversations. I didn't know you were, how long have you guys been foster parents? Yeah. And eight, how long? Yep. Eight months. So we, Oh, so this was, it was fir- only eight months. Uh-huh. This was your first round of yes. foster parenting. Wow. And she was, she's 10. And then your son. So they're the ages of, of your son and your foster daughter. Uh, too, too close. Yeah. That yeah. actually was, I think one of the things that we learned is, um, in, in foster parenting, which of course, a lot of this stuff you don't know until you do it. Of it's, course. it's all yeah. abstract, but <clears throat> theoretical until you do it. But it was really difficult because of how close they were in age. And I think it would have been a lot easier if our foster child was significantly younger than our son, mm. but it did create a lot of difficulty. My son, um, it's interesting. I have, my son has really learned a lot about the doctrine of rewards, <laughs> meaning like when we see Jesus, that we will be rewarded for our faithfulness to Jesus. Wow. And for my son to recognize that his willingness to take in an orphan into his life, as hard as it was, wow. he will be rewarded for his faithfulness. And wow. he's a kick butt kid for doing that <laughs> yeah. work, but it was really challenging for him. Yeah. Tell me how, tell me where, 
um, this came from for you and your wife, because it can't just be you and it can't mm. just be your wife and it can't just be your son. So how yeah. did this process for, of foster parenting come for the family? Cause yes. that's really what I'd imagine it is. Yes. So <clears throat> the backstory for my wife and I is, uh, that, that while we do have one biological son, Elliot, uh, we experienced about, um, seven, six, seven years of infertility before oh, I'm sorry. we were able to uh, have Elliot and, you often hear stories where people in Christian circles, you'll hear this thing like, well, when you couldn't have kids and then you have one and then you just have a ton of kids and that may work out for a lot of people. But yeah. the, for some weird odd reason, the infertility continued after we had Elliot and he was a bit of a miracle. Uh, we, we were told that the chances of having a child were fairly low. Um, we both have uh, infertility issues. So we sort of hoped that after Elliot was born, we would just reproduce like amoeba amoebas and be able to have all these kids oh, wow. and it didn't happen. So uh, at the end of the day, after, you know, years of infertility and our ability to have a home and space, uh, we decided about two years ago to start the process and it took about a year just to do the application. Yeah. So yep. this is not, it's not like filling out an application to work at Taco Bell. Like you, it, it is it's intense. wildly intense to, yes. to, to receive a foster child into your home. Um, and so we did. And uh, what a blessing, such a blessing. Um, and it was just so hard. I <laughs> will never, I, we keep getting asked, will you ever want to be a foster parent again? And, uh, it's just too soon to ask of course. or even think through that. Well, and, and, and it's even hard to like that question. It doesn't mean that you're not into the, the heart or the desire. I could just imagine that that particular, I mean, cause I think it would also be particular situation, particular yes. age. Like yes. it would be very different. My brother, uh, was, has been a foster parent um, him and his wife a few different times and they're the last, uh, foster child they had was a newborn. They ended up adopting him. He's my nephew now He's uh, a, and, wow. and, and, you know, newborn and that situation ended up being a huge, you know, gift and something they didn't necessarily on the outset, they weren't planning on adopting, but they saw this situation. They saw the need, they started foster parenting and then, you know, then saw his story and realized, wow, this could actually be mm. uh, maybe something for mm. us and for him. And it turned out to be a beautiful gift. He's not, he turned nine la uh, just last week. So, you know, it, it's a, I think it is a beautiful thing. And I think there's certain people that are called to it that have a yes. gift to do it or a grace to do it. Yes. You know, people will ask Elizabeth and I, we have four kids. Are you going to have another? And we're like, I don't think we have the grace to have another. Like, yeah. right. Like yeah. you. If we start, if we have more kids, this like diminishing returns, we're not going to be able to give, mm. you know, mm. what we've been able to give to this point. And I think we all have different graces, you yeah, know, and without question. But so, I, can I say too, please. at the, it's remarkable to me, um, how experiences change the way you engage with, uh, the Bible. I mean, yes. I, I've been, I, I had never understood before this experience, the, the depth of what it means when Paul talks about being adopted by the father or being adopted mm. by God. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Oh, it just, I mean, I mean, what, you know, when you have a, a new child in your home, you take on all the joys of that child yes. and all the debts of that child, mm. the entire package. You don't get just the good you get the really hard, the trauma. Yes. You don't get to receive the glories without the traumas. Yes. You don't get the traumas yes. without the glories. And now recognizing that language of being an adopted son of the father that I am, getting saved at 16 and God rescuing me from, from my, you know, my God rescuing me, <clears throat> I can now see 
God, God fostered me. You know, I, yeah. I'm a foster kid that's, <laughs> in the kingdom. You know, the, it's, I so agree. And I, that's where uh, let's, let's launch from there. So you said, you know, 16, take us on a journey, give us a word picture, right. Yeah. Of, of AJ. And before we get into that, one more thing, uh, we have bets going on in my house right now about what AJ stands for. Oh, okay. Boy. So I'm going to tell you what I've got so far. Okay. I have, I have Andrew Jackson. Okay. Probably not close. Uh, Alexander Jameson was another one. Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the third, but those are the two, those are the two main ones, or it could, uh, I could make up another one now, but I won't. So yeah. Are you ready? Are, I'm, I'm so ready. Okay. Alahoni Jehoshaphat. No way. Yeah, no way. That's, <laughs> not, that's not even close. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like what, what, so you're saying you're adopted in the family. It sounds like your family is incredibly yeah, religious. Yes, if that's the case. yes. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, my name stands for Aaron Jason. I was uh, so, I was so off. Aaron I'm Jason. so off. <laughs> and there's, there's some stories behind that. Aaron, uh, I'm told by my mom, I am named after Hank Aaron, who okay. won, who hit like the, the, the home run a long oh, time yep, ago that yep, broke yep. the record. And then Jason, my dad's name is Jay, Jay's son. Jay's son. Oh, Jay. So there's some creativeness. <laughs> there's some creativity there. And then Swoboda in Checklist of Locking in Russian means freedom. Oh, really? So if you ever watch the movie Braveheart, you know the scene in Braveheart where William Wallace screams Swoboda at the very end? He goes, Swoboda. Or he goes, he goes, freedom. <laughs> if you watch the Russian version, he screams my last name. No so, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you go go Google it, man. I got to check Google this out. Yeah. I will check this out. I, I'm absolutely going to, like, when it comes to absolute random stuff that's probably like the amount of random yeah. stuff that I love learning. It's I'm mm. an avid learner. I love learning and I love, and it's almost like the more random obscure stuff, the better. So I really appreciate you turning me on to that. Yep. So yeah, give me a, uh, we'll, we'll get to your, to your life. And, and as far as like, you know, some of the work that you're doing in the world and some of the beautiful, good things you're doing in the world. But I, I want to hear like where, where this started. Give me an origin story yeah. uh, for Aaron Jason. Yep. Well, I born to, um, Robin and Jay, uh, when I was a child, was raised in uh, Salem, Oregon, where uh, I uh, I cut my teeth on the world. Yeah. And then uh, what, around 10, 11, my parents went through a, a fairly difficult, uh, painful divorce in mm. uh, between the ages of 11 and 16, really went through a fairly traumatic season of time known as adolescence. Oh, yes. <clears throat> known Ooh. Known to many of us. Uh, but there was a real spiritual crisis as well. I was not raised in a Christian home. And so my, um, there was a big, a, kind of a big hole in my existence. I didn't know what to do with the, I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was an only child. I didn't have any friends, uh, big sexual crisis when I was a kid, very confused about who I was in that realm. Mm. Uh, and I was 16 and I overheard, I was in math class in high school and I overheard the two girls behind me arguing about when Jesus was coming back. And I had, they had been reading this book wow. called the left behind series Oh gosh! <laughs> and I had never thought about Jesus in any substantive way. Oh, and I man. went home and I had a virgin, I had a Bible and I sat down and I read my Bible and I read the story of Jesus calling Matthew, the tax collector to come follow him. And I had a very dramatic and life altering encounter with, uh, with Jesus at 16. Wow. Um, that really that was a, you know, it was a game, game changer. Wow. Uh, so that was my start in the, in the kingdom story and the yeah, Jesus yeah, story. Yeah. And thank God for that. 
those two girls. I always tell people, talk about Jesus all the time because someone is listening, whether you That's know it or not. Really, yeah. uh, dude, yeah. I, I even think about the family context, right? Like Deuteronomy is so much about that. Like, mm. uh, you know, as you're going, as you wake yep. up, as you're walking along the way, as yeah. you're going to bed, you know, just talking about Jesus is uh, not only in your family context, but I like that even in even out as you're going. You know, there's, there's not, yep. I don't believe obviously that you should talk about Jesus less outside or inside. I think it's equal <laughs> amounts, right? <laughs> How much should we be like Jesus? The answer is yes, like all yes. the time. Um, tell me though about, so obviously you've been a pastor, you are an author, yep. uh, you are now, a, you're a professor. Yes. You have your PhD. Am yes. I right about this? Because I saw, when we walked into your office today, I saw a PhD. Which, you saw it. It's on the door. That's if it's an, on the door. Those are three letters that are impressive. Yeah. So yeah. how how was the process? What did you get your PhD in? And then well, how was that process for you mm. of getting your PhD? Yes. So um, my current uh, kind of vocational, my life vocationally is centered around the work that I do at Bushnell University here in Eugene, where I teach Bible and theology to undergraduate students. I as well run a doctor of ministry program at Fuller Seminary. So I do some work on oh, doctoral yes. level stuff, which is really fun. Um, and my kind of background is I'm a, th- a trained theologian. So I did my work in systematic theology at the University of Birmingham in Britain, wow. uh, which was a really remarkable experience. I got to study under one of the uh, one of the greatest charismatic Anglican theologians uh, known oh. to known to man a guy named Mark Cartledge. Oh, um, the, isn't that see the, my favorite thing about uh, about what you just said? Is all of those charismatic, uh, you know, theologians? There's just in in the states anyway. We don't yes. have these same categories, no, yeah, sure. and it's just so. Yeah, sure. uh, I think it's so healthy. To, yeah. Oh, so you got to center this. I guy. did, and it was a, it was a remarkable experience. And I did pastor yeah. for ten years. P- planted a church in Portland called Theophilus that's continuing to this day and doing remarkable work in Southeast Portland. So we were there wow. for ten years. Um, and before that, I was a college pastor at the University of Oregon, right across the street from where we're at right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So were you married when you went over to, to do your, yes. yeah, you were already married. Yes. You had to have been. Yeah. 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 So we, uh, I was in the midst of actually planting the church when I dual was doing my PhD work and planting the church. And I, I don't know how much I'd recommend, <laughs> um, uh, holding both of <laughs> Not those even cups close, of hot coffee in both hands, but, oh, man. Um, but we did it nonetheless. And my son actually was born just a few weeks after I graduated. And I honestly don't know if I would have finished my PhD had I not completed it before my PhD was finished. Absolutely. But I studied uh, and wrote the very first ever Theology of the Holy Spirit as it relates to the environment uh, for uh, charismatic uh, Pentecostal Christians. So there's like five people in the world that care about that topic and all five of us um, I want to know more about this. I mean, I'm telling you this now, but I would love to talk to you about Uh, that. that. That sounds so... I just... I just love people that think deeply uh-huh. and yeah. and also have the ability and have learned to study deeply as well. So I'd love to talk to you about that just because I'm I'm personally fascinated. But yes. what so how did that but how did that get triggered oh, in man. you? Like where oh, did man. that come? We're gonna have to another, do another, another, okay, good. another we'll do episode another. because it's just so deep. At the end of the day, um if we are told in in the Bible, if we are told as as the man and the woman were to care for God's garden, where did that command go? Uh, it hasn't disappeared. And um, what does it look like to obey the voice of the Father to care for His garden? Um, that that really, at the end of the day, I'm just I love when Christians take that call seriously. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, not yes. only take that call seriously, but actually think about deeply what what the impacts of that Absolutely. are and how it yes. just their day to day life. Um, you know, I don't 
before today, I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, but I've been so thankful. Shame for, on us, by the way. Yeah, sh- shame on us. Shame on us. May, may this not be the last. No, not even close. But I would love to just give the physical word picture that uh, we showed up wearing. You're the wearing a clothes. striped shirt, yes. as, as am I. Yeah. Nice, just nice uh, dark pair of jeans and some black Converse. Yes. Great style choice. Yes, yes. And But you have more hair than I do. Yeah, get out of Brooke, here. So, uh, <laughs> it's completely untrue. Some of us are follically challenged and... Follically challenged. We all have our deals, you know? Um, So (laughs) anyway, but I'm just thinking, you know, obviously I haven't had the privilege to meet you, but what I love about what I've already gotten to know about you already in in these brief, in this brief time is, is like most people that hold the titles, the responsibilities and the positions most of the time, authors, Mm. theologians, uh, professors, pastors are not always known to be uh, warm, generous individuals. Mm, mm. They're, you know, they're, that's not always the case. But I've just loved that your personality does not fit anything that you do on paper. You are completely wow. and totally so warm, so encouraging, so thoughtful. That's and I just generous. love that. I just love the, that juxtaposition. Mm. Or rather, the the right way of like, it seems like you actually believe the stuff that you're mm. teaching mm. <laughs> in a deep way. Yeah, it and is the- Monday morning and it's early in the week. <laughs> if it was Friday afternoon, your your impression of me may not be the yeah. same. Well, it's true. You're, well, your schedule's different now because when you were Monday morning as a pastor, right? Like that would <laughs> right. have been a different story. Right, right, that would right, have been true. a different conversation altogether. Right, right. Um, so you wrote a book on Sabbath and I want to talk about this. And I want to talk <laughs> about this because I think this is, as, as anybody listens, they know, uh, this is a major, major deal. It's yes. in really, yes. it's of utmost importance that we do not constantly burn at both ends. And I mean, the the constant struggle of anybody I talk to, and I'm sure you too, is how do we actually function in this world in a healthy way? Can we even give ourselves permission? How can we give ourselves permission? Yes. What's God's word say? But also like, how do we just do this in culture? Mm. So you wrote a book, uh, which... I think it it came out in 2018. Am I right? I think that's right. 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, su- surprising Sabbath. Subversive Sabbath. Subs- uh-huh. <laughs> yep. It's equally surprising. You know what's surprising so funny? And no, wait. Give me a second. Give me a second. This is so funny because I know that's the title of your yes. book, and yeah. I've read it, of and I have notes from it. Of course. But when I was typing it here, uh, it's spell checked to surprising. Oh, well, of course it did. <laughs> and then I just yes. looked down because I'm like, yeah. I trust my notes. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the surprising power of rest in a nonstop that's world. That's it. Surprising that's it. is in the title. That's a. That's brother. I'm sorry. I get you, man. Oh, I get you, man. Subversive I Sabbath. Get you. I get you. Um, and 2018. 2018. Brazos Press. Yes. Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. So, you you wrote this book, um, and obviously, I want to know what birthed this book because oh, as reading it, question. as reading it, it very much seemed to me. That this was not from like a, hey, I've got this idea to redeem Sabbath for people and put it into words as much as it was like a lived experience shared with others of like, here's the journey that I've been on and am still on. And here's how I'm kind of processing this. Yes. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's how I received it. So I would love to know where this was birthed for you. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a story, and I uh, I beg for forgiveness for anybody listening who's who's read the book or heard me talk about the book. But but there is a, a pretty uh, particular story that gave rise to um, the eventual uh, writing of this particular uh, project. Which this this was um, I've I've written ten books, and I would say of all the books that I've written, this one probably comes out of. Um, 
this one probably comes out of more anger than any of the other books I've ever written. Anger is a weird word. I don't oh. know if anger is the right word, but a feeling of deep unsettledness. And it comes out of a story <clears throat> a number of years ago when we were planting uh, our church in Portland. We had established this r- rich, beautiful community in the heart of Southeast Portland. And mm. around year five or six, I began to notice the church get, getting really tired. Church planting is hard work. Oh, yeah. It's difficult for anybody doing the work of, of starting a community. And uh, so I, noticing this, just, you know, attending to the pastoral needs of the church, recognized that I should do, you know, I should do, I should talk about rest, biblical rest. Yes. So I did what, you know, pastors do when there's a problem in the church. I did a sermon series <laughs> and I did a four week, uh, basically a four week overview of a biblical vision of rest. What does God say about rest uh, from Genesis to Revelation? What's God's vision for this, this idea, which it, it sh- I should say, Brooke, it shocked me how, how, ingrained in the biblical imagination Sabbath is. You cannot get away from it. You can't. It's everywhere. I totally agree. It's from yes. page one to literally Revelation 14 describes the mark of the beast as a world without rest. Go read Revelation 14, 11. I mean, the, from beginning to end. That is so interesting. Oh, I didn't connect that, but everywhere. Right. Yeah. It's everywhere. It, it's not the mark of the beast. It's a mark of the world ruled by the beast. There wow. will be no rest uh, for anyone who worships the beast. So anyways, I was shocked just shocked. And I preached on uh, the Sabbath for about four weeks. And I have preached on a lot of things that have made people mad. I've preached on sexuality. I've preached on politics. I've preached on, I preached a whole sermon on weed once because we lived in Portland and I needed to <laughs> preach on this stuff. Yeah, because I was because, really meeting the needs of my, my, my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, but I can, but you're so right because that's the question oh, now. I yeah, mean, the yeah, question oh, isn't yeah. about drinking yeah. anymore. It's about no, no, no. It's a whole how world. do we engage with yes. medical marijuana and the whole deal? Yeah. And wow. So, I, okay. So another so podcast I'm preaching on, on, on this topic and I've preached on things that have made people mad. And I, I don't think we ever had more people leave the church over rest, over biblical rest. And the, what was particularly noticeable to me were the two groups of people who were most um, flummoxed. Who were they? Tell me. Yeah. Tell me. So <laughs> group number one, business owners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because because they knew. I mean, if we took this stuff seriously, it affects hmm. the bottom line. It affects the whole structure of the Absolutely organization. Absolutely it does. Yes. And there was one other group of people that were really Can I guess? Can Please. I, can I guess, guess? guess? Is it the older generation. No. No. No, they loved it. Okay. The older, they were like, okay. finally, we're going, we're going back. Is it mid 20? No. Okay. It, no. Go for it. It was moms. Moms. Yeah. Why? Help how, me understand how this. How do you simultaneously receive a child who God has called you to care for and rest at the same time? Oh, which, which okay. just, which just speaks you would of never the lack think, of understanding of the framework right, of, yeah, right. exactly. Cause yeah, yeah as non-moms, yeah. I don't know if we have the full framework, <laughs> but you know, those True. two groups of people, business owners and moms, which I think in the history of Christianity, in the history of the world, it's like the only time in history that those two groups have like held hands in protest. Like th- they had a common, <laughs> you know, a common like anger. And they all went to your church. Yeah, they were all <laughs> They're all at Theophilus, the Southeast right, Portland. Right. They all found it. So I... Here's what happened. The el- this was the reason that led to the book. Um, I was sitting with our elders. The elders, you know, we had normal elder meetings, and they wanted to talk about this the sermon series on the 
the idea of rest. Are we going to actually do this? Are we going to Sabbath together? Are we going to, how are we going to do it? Yeah. And it dawned on me sitting in that elder meeting um, that, you know, if you take the 10 commandments and this was the moment and I've, t- I've told this story before, but if, yeah. if you were to take the 10 commandments, um, nine of them, if I broke nine of them, I would lose my job. If I preached yes. another gospel, I'd lose my job. If I, stole from the church, I'd lose my job. If I committed murder, I'd, you know, if I, if I committed adultery, I'd lose my job. And it dawned on me that this is the one commandment, the rest commandment, that if I don't do it as a pastor, um, I'll get a raise. And it was the first time I recognized I in my life. I remember reading that in your book and we, I was shook by that. We have come to the point Brooke, yes. where we incentivize yeah. the breaking of the Sabbath commandment. And when you spend enough time Oof. You know, we, when you spend enough time with here, this, okay, you want to please talk. I spend a lot of time with PKs, pastors, kids. Yes. Yeah, Cause they're awesome. And they come to the university and I just, by virtue of the world work that I do. When you, you, when you talk about a world without PK, a world without Sabbath, um, there is a reason there's a generation of PKs in the world that absolutely hate the church. Um, because they have seen the church as a community that robbed them of their parents. Wow. <laughs> I mean, th- there's a lot, and I, I don't think it's, uh, I think it was Tim Keller who originally said it. So I want to give due credit where it's, where it's due, but he said, yeah. he, I, I heard, heard him once say, we say, we say that we don't believe in child sacrifice. Ooh. When in reality, <laughs> the whole Sabbath thing is actually, we've been building the church on it. Okay. Wow. That was the moment. And honestly, this book is birthed out of some anger. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm mad that, not mad, I'm, it's not birthed out of anger, but that was like the beginning yeah, point yeah. of recognizing there is a hole in our understanding of God's ways. Wow. And and accepted, like the unhealth and the lack of honoring this yeah. command That's right. uh, is actually, like you you pointed out very brilliantly and clearly, uh, it's praised, it's, yeah. it's elevated. Um, you know, I, I even think, I think one of the the things that you had said that was, uh, and I want to, this is one of the quotes from your book. I want to like, I want to talk about this because we're on this, um, this is from your book. Um, a lot of people came to ask you, you, they'd say, Hey, I want to take a Sabbath. And their first question to you, and this is what you said in the book is what do I do on the Sabbath? Yeah. And, and then you say here, such a question is very American, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) What do I do? We're yeah. addicted to doing uh-huh. and being is not even a category we're able to yes, entertain. So yes. tell me more about that. I yeah. want to know more well, about that. My, when I was, I was just telling you about my, I was just telling you about my, um, <clears throat> my, my PhD advisor, Mark Cartledge, when he first came to the States, he's a, he's a British classic British theologian. Like he just, he's what you think of when you think of a British theologian, like he has loafers and, you know, <laughs> leather on his elbows and, you know, just like the classic PhD the classic uh, academic. <clears throat> and he, he once described to me, he says, you know, when you come to America, uh, they give you this sheet where they, you are supposed to indicate why you're coming to America. He says, it's, he goes, it's That's- very American of you that there's only two reasons for travel. <laughs> and which, when you look at the sheet, <laughs> it's true. You are either traveling for work or pleasure. Yeah. There is no, literally no category of just rest because, because <laughs> I mean, we don't even have, that's not, it's a non-starter. There's no rationale for a just because. And wow. that question 
what am I going to do on the Sabbath? And I understand the heart of the question because most people are terrified. Like, what are we going to do? Sit around and, you know, watch, you know, old reruns of, you know, Lassie and be bored all day? Like, what are we supposed to do? We assume it's a day of boredom. Yeah. When in reality, the Bible doesn't give commandments about what we're to do. It tells us what we're not to do. And what we're not to do is work. And what that means is it's a whole day. Of, of delight yes and enjoyment yes. oh the way that we say it in our house uh it was i can't remember where i picked it up was worshipful fun and rest there you go that's the, like like here's the the lens you look through is it worshipful is it fun is it restful if it hits those categories or even just one do it absolutely right but that's a lot we'll get into this later but that's a lot harder it's easy said hard to do in some cases especially when you have little ones but uh so, so you're, so he's basically saying we don't just have a category for, for just being. Yeah. No, for, no, 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 no. And, and even in our framework, you know, basically in our American culture, like being yeah. is not even not easy, but it's looked down upon. There are two legitimate reasons to exist. Work <laughs> or pleasure. <laughs> Work and pleasure. Those, that is the only reason somebody could travel to the United States. Wow. And as, and he, you know, his wow. point was as an American, you can't even see that unless somebody else points it out to you. I would have never thought that. Oh, but I wouldn't just, have. I that's love just the way we exist. I also love really smart people that are masters of the obvious. You know, comedians. Like I love yeah, a right. comedian that's just like we're all staring at the same thing, and they just pick the one sliver out that's been there the whole time. Yes. And you're just like, oh, I appreciate people like that. Well, on that same note, though, I think there was another uh, in that same uh, chapter that you were writing. The second question that people asked you is, how do I make time for the Sabbath? Yes, like basically people saying, I don't how do I even make time? I have so many things going on. How do I even make time? And kind of what is your general response to that? Because my, my two cents on that really fast is just that we make time for what matters. Obviously that's a pretty yeah. low hanging fruit. Uh, we make time for what matters, but I also think you have to probably, this might get, I'm not going to answer this for you. I'd love you to answer, but my guess is like, you have to disconnect from your addiction to yeah. work and all of that before you can even see that you do have time. We all okay. have time. So, yep. but, but what, that's how do I that. respond to that? Yeah, how do you respond? Can I give a little history lesson? Please, uh, just a little, a little history, history lesson. Okay. Uh, a major, one of the most, one of the most important changes in American and in, in, in not American, one of the m most important changes in history was the industrial revolution. Yes, yes I know right? about that. Yeah, yeah. Because what happened was what shifted, there were, there were a whole bunch of variety, variety of things that were going on. People were moving to cities and droves. Um, but one of the, the most important changes was our relationship to work. Whereas before the industrial revolution, generally speaking, work was at home. Yep. Now work became a place you went to. It was a thing you went to. And mm. the the shift was a change in our relationship to our vocation. It was often... Uh, now it became something we did somewhere else, and we had it. We had to clock in at a certain time. We clocked out at a certain time. It was a shift in our relationship to time, mm, and a yes. lot of people have written on this. Uh, there's a guy named Diogenes Allen who was a philosopher at um, uh, at Princeton who wrote a lot about um, the the Industrial Revolution. He's a philosopher, and he talks about how it changed our mentality to time, and now time became something that we saw ourselves being over. Wow. We became, we stood, we stand above time. Notice the, the arrogance of the phrase, I'm going to make time. I'm going to save time. <laughs> That's really insightful. Keep going. I'm going yes. to set aside time. Notice in our language, we assume we are over time. Oh man. I get to make it. 
I get to save it. And I, I hate to bust all of our bubbles, but we ain't the creators of time. We don't make anything. Yeah. The Lord is the creator of time. He's the Lord of time. He stands above it. We are in time. Yeah. And it is ironic to think about the fact that Jesus had in a given day as much time as you and I do. Oh. We don't have more time. We don't have less time than Jesus. We had the time that Jesus had. And to live in a human body is to submit to, it's to submit to time, to, to even push it further. Guess what we will experience forever? We will experience time. Whoa. There is time in heaven. And we know this because in Revelation, John says every half an hour, there was this, he makes this reference to every half an hour, there was a song that was sung, meaning there's time in heaven. Wow. Wow. We will experience time is not so we don't get to stand above time. We will never be outside of time. Yes. Only God is outside of time. Yes. So to be a human is to submit to the limits of being a human being. And everybody in the world has the same exact amount of time every day that Jesus did. And it is not our time. It is God's time. So why do you think we're above? The, why do we think, though? Because I, 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 this is I'm, I'm both jaw dropped. You can't see it. Physical jaw drop. But. I'm both in completely intrigued by what you're saying, but why do we think that we get to control it? I mean, it, it can't be just the industrial revolution, right? Like, cause I, I would say, yes, it led to a way of thinking. I don't think, I think there's something it's deeper. It's deeper than that. It's yeah. called the heart of rebellion. Yeah. Uh, it's in whatever language you want to use is that we are always as humans trying to escape our humanity and ascend to something greater it's literally what Satan was yeah. trying to do yeah. to ascend to heaven and, and take the throne. I mean, this is the heart of a world at rebellion is that we are always trying to escape our humanity. And the irony was God came to embrace humanity. Yes. We're trying to leave humanity. Jesus became a human. <laughs> no wonder we don't get each other. Oh man. <laughs> we're missing each other. I mean, he's trying to become a human in Jesus and we're trying to become gods with small G's. It's that that's to be there's nothing more important for somebody's spiritual formation in Jesus than to embrace your limitations. You only get 24 hours today. Don't fit more into it than you're supposed to. <laughs> wow. AJ, <laughs> that, is help, that is helpful. It is incredibly. Uh, can can I point out something Diane always says please, on the podcast please. that I just want to retweet here? Diane, if you're listening, I just want you to know how <laughs> She'll much She'll listen is later. Yeah, she will. She, will, she has multiple points in the podcast has talked about how this thing of I want the house to be clean, but I've got kids. <laughs> so how do I do it? And she has talked about how she's had these epiphanies of recognizing I can't do both. There will be a time down the road when my house can be perfectly clean, but it's just not right now. And to me, to hear her say that is so liberating because I can't transcend my humanity. I can't have yes. the perfectly clean house and be a present father at the same time. I need to embrace my finitude and choose the more important thing. I'll get to, I'll get to clean the house later. Right now, I get to be in my son's life. That is so, I think, helpful, prophetic, encouraging. Take a minute and hit the 15-second rewind button to hear that again. That was very helpful. Do you know what Elizabeth and Diane are doing right now? This is no joke. So I'm here sitting with you having a great conversation, and my wife was just uh, in L.A. visiting her sister. I sent her away for a couple of days to go yes. visit her sister, as I was sharing earlier. And uh, they had a great time. She comes back, and the first thing on my wife's list uh, – because one of the ways that she deals with with the overwhelming nature of 
life sometimes is by certain things have to be in order. Now, not everything can be in order. She knows that, but certain things just for her mind to to like function properly, they have to be in order. So they're like this. I didn't know this was a new thing. This is a new, new terms for me. Uh, now I've heard the term deep cleaning before, but yes. right now, like Elizabeth was able to rope Diane into, because they both share this desire and need to deep clean our house mm. while I'm gone. Well, you're gone. Why? Cause you gone. have to be gone when that <laughs> happens. <laughs> it, it ended up working out great. She, she didn't even, you know, it was great. She didn't even ask me to be a part of it. She goes, so great. she's like, Oh, I didn't even think, like, I already talked to my mom. We're going to do this. And they speak the same language. They're not going to get in any marital conflict, right? There's like, they're, they're on the same level. So as we're talking about the presence, I think there's also these other ways in which I know Elizabeth is, uh, definitely trying to honor both. But when push comes to shove, you know, you can only have it for so long. And she's even really aware of that too, that you can, so the way she gets around it is be really present with the kids. And then mom, will you come over and help me like take an afternoon and go crazy or whatever. And of course, it still doesn't actually take care of the full problem. But what you just said, I think, is so important for us as people to embrace our finitude. Like Mm -hmm. that piece for um, us, I think, is really hard. I'm thinking about the culture that we live in. It's all about more often. I mean, these are things that everybody knows, but just to name them for clarity, it's all about more. It's all about success. It's all about doing. And so since that is the case in the reality, which we know, everyone breathes the same air, uh, it, it almost stops us from even giving ourselves permission to accept our finitude. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of myself, but I'm thinking of so many people listening that you stopped and thought, I'm a person that only has so much energy. Yes, that's exactly right. And I only have so much time, like you've pointed out brilliantly. And I also have only so many gifts I can give the world, yep. but we're, we're operating as if we have all the time in the world. We have all the energy in the that's world right. and we have all the skills in the world. That's right. So can, can I make an observation? Go. Yes. I've noticed about myself. Ju- this is just pay- paying attention, sort of paying attention to my own work habits as it relate as a dad, as it relates to being a dad at night, yes. because during the day I'm, I'm at work. And then when I come home, I'm, pr- I'm trying to be present to my, my child. And what I've noticed about myself is when, cause the Sabbath thing is not just a day of the week. It's a way of existence. It's a way of life. It's a paradigm for how you live all week long. Yes. When I try to fit too much work between nine to five, it is when I try to cram that with too much, I cannot come home and be fully present. Meaning it's impossible to be a slave during the day and a present servant at night. When I try to put too much into work, I can't be present to my son. And when I'm, when I do do that, I come home and I'm a neurotic mess and I've overspent. So actually, oddly enough, the way that I become the best father is by, is by working in a more healthy way. And I have so much, man, so much growth to do in this area because I do overwork during the day and I put too much in and my son often pays the price late at night. But this is not just a day of week, Brooke. This is a way of life. It's a way of existence. Yes. Yeah. So when I'm spending all day long frantically going between things and not being present to those things, it's really hard to do that all day and then go home and be present to my son. If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. 
Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Yeah, and because you're going there already, and I think, what because what I really want to actually talk about and be aware of, even for today, for people listening, and I know even for myself, is... I'm an idealist by nature. It is both helpful and problematic. Um, there's pros and cons to that, but I love the ideal of Sabbath. Yes. Mm-hmm. I believe in it. We practice it. Um, but I would also say that I have miles and miles yes. to go. And when people will ask me about Sabbath and how you do it with kids and all of that, I'm always like, oh, well, uh, please ask someone else because it's not highly successful. (laughs) Like my days of rest don't feel restful at all. And I feel like there's uh, these key elements that are missing. And so what I want to do first is, is I just want to like point out there's an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And that is that when people often talk about Sabbath, at least this is, this is my own opinion. uh, They idealize it to a point that feels impossible for me to touch. Absolutely. With my own self, my own person, the way I'm wired. And then also with the particular family that I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I have particular family with particular needs and that ideal that was painted for me. And it's usually not very um, open-ended. It's usually pretty closed is closed minded or like it has to kind of fit in this particular, uh, air like way of, of living throughout that day. It doesn't fit with me. And so then I often, Mm -hmm. because I don't have the, you know, the good examples or maybe the clear picture, cause we all need that. Uh, I get confused and then I'm, so I'm trying to like, okay, well I'm turning off my phone. Yes. Good. Uh, but I'm not present Mm -hmm. and and like, Oh, Mm -hmm. uh, we're making sure that we're not doing technology. Uh, but then everyone's, miserable yep. uh, to, you know, not, not miserable because we don't have technology, but like everyone's kind of pseudo bored. Cause we're mm-hmm. like, what are we actually doing? So I want to, what I'd love to do and spend some time on today is I want to talk about, could you help paint a picture for us? What Sabbath can look like. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and, and if there's more foundational things before we get to that, let's, let's cover that. Cause I want to make sure that the foundation work I think is so important yep. to actually have successful the actual day, I think, like you kind of talked about, because there's preparing for Sabbath, which I want to talk about, which you write about brilliantly, and then also um, actually living that out, because, uh, you know, an intentional Sabbath community, I know you talk mm-hmm. about as well. And so these are just different things I want to touch on, but I, I you get where I'm going. I, I want yep. to I want to give some hope and some practical, you know, ideas that are not ideal, yeah. and some ideas that can help really ignite 
imagination in families yes. that are listening. Yes. You use the word ideal, which is a, a, a really great word. And I think it's actually a really important word because the Bible is full of God's ideals. Um, yeah. The Bible is replete from beginning to end of what God desires. Yes. Um, it's fairly close to what you and I would call the kingdom of God. It's what God would dream of for the world. It's God's dreams for the world. Yes. In, That's in, good. In God's ideal, the, the ideal is that every human being in the world would have a day of rest every week. That I think is the ideal from the beginning to the end of scripture is that there is God's created a rhythm of life where we would have a day to rest. Um, that's an ideal. That's a, that's a vision and a dream for God. And I will say that the number one pushback that I get from people, this is a legitimate question. The number one pushback that I get from people on the Sabbath conversation is, well, isn't Sabbath just a mark of privilege? Don't you get to take it because, oh, great, you get to structure your life. And what about the poor? That's a really great And the truth question. of the matter is that's an absolutely central question to this whole thing. Because yes. if the Sabbath is for everybody, then what about the single mother of sex? Yes. What about them? And I have come to believe that the poor don't get to rest because the rich don't do it. The powerful don't do it. Meaning we don't give away what we don't ourselves enter into. And when I, as a person in power, don't rest, I don't give it away. There has to be an element of receiving it and giving it, receiving it and giving it. Hmm. This is for everyone. And frankly, Brooke, when you look at companies like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, which shut down on Sundays, I was going to mention this billions of dollars so people can rest. And you can have all sorts of political opinions about these organizations. That's fine. Of course. But hand it to them because they are willing to lose billions of dollars. Have you read recently, though, that Chick-fil-A is the top selling? Yeah. Like, oh, they kill it. They, so what's so bizarre, I I've, I find this so interesting how they take a hold and, and they're booming. Booming. It's just yes. bizarre. Like, and you go, you know, for me, I'm like, it's oh. almost like God blesses this stuff. <laughs> it's almost like he does. And it's I'm not like, saying God is like blessing conservative corporations or something no, like that. That's no, not no, my no. point. But my point is like, I actually think when you create an organization that blesses rest, the people love working there. Yes. And frankly, it makes the food better. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a win across the board. Yeah. There's not so many people that this don't This is like. an ideal of God. But what about the single mother of six who says, I've got two hours on a Friday night and that's all I can give to God. That is what I can give. And my response would be that we are called to give to God what we can right now and God will enter into that thing. And if you've got two hours on a Friday night to honor God with some rest, God will meet you in that. Do I think God wants everybody in the world to have a day of rest every week? Yes. Yeah. But for some of us, it takes a long time to get mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. It can't happen overnight. So let me tell you what we do on our Sabbath. Yeah, and maybe that'll, that'll be helpful. I love that. I don't like telling this all the time because sometimes people think this is the only way to do it. And it's not. It's the way we do it. I won't tell anybody. But Good. You go don't ahead. tell me. It's yeah, just I won't between tell us. Just so between Friday nights, <laughs> I come home. First thing I do. Um, if it's if if I'm healthy, as I turn my phone off on Friday night, I like that caveat. That's a good. Caveat. If I'm healthy, and there are times that I'm not in a very good place, <laughs> and I need my phone on. I need my phone. Yeah. And we'll, we've here's there. what we'll do on Friday night: is we do this thing called uh, the Shabbat Shalom, which yes. is a yes. Sabbath traditional Sabbath song. And we will light the Sabbath candle and we will sing a song. And it's really simple. You just sing the song and you name everybody in the family. This is nowhere in the Bible, by the way. It's all just our family tradition. We love doing it. But it goes, Shabbat Shalom to Quinn. Shabbat Shalom to Elliot. Shabbat Shalom to AJ. And we have chickens. So you'll, Shabbat Shalom to the chickens. We have a dog named Diggory. Shabbat Shalom to Diggory. <laughs> and we'll eat a big meal. 
it was just a feast. Like we'll just we'll go out to dinner, we'll carbs, fat, you name it. We will eat a great meal and we'll watch a movie. And on Saturday morning, this is probably the most important thing that we do, and the one thing I want to be remembered for when it comes to the Sabbath, <laughs> is on Saturday morning mornings, um, which is for us a Sabbath, not because it has to be Saturday. I would argue that it could be any day of the week. Yeah. Um, but on Saturday mornings, my wife and I and my son get up and we make pancakes. Yes, we do the same yes, thing. We do pancakes. We do okay. daddy pancakes. They're called daddy pancakes. Daddy cakes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's love what it. we call them. So the reason we do the pancakes is that on in Jewish tradition, on the morning of the Sabbath, uh, the father is to get up before all the kids and get every son or child a spoon of honey so that the kids never forget the sweetness of God's rest. <laughs> I didn't know yes. this. So I'm we, loving We this. don't do honey. We do maple syrup. Praise God for and that. And the goal is in 50 years when I'm dead and gone, uh, if anybody even says the word Sabbath to my son, he'll just start to drool because he has <laughs> never forgotten that God has given him a day of rest. And we eat pancakes. We go on a walk. We watch maybe another movie. Um, we play in the backyard, we go swimming, we are just together. And I will tell you, there is nothing remarkable that happens other than what we're not doing. And that is that we are not producing. We are just together and God, it, God enters in every time. So that's, that is beautiful. And I love how you gave, uh, I, I think what, even as your share for some people that might feel constricting because there's so much structure to it. And I think for others that maybe overdo the structure, it's freeing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people like, well, I have to, I have to literally be reading God's word the whole time yep. and, no. and pray. And it's like, and it's in recognizing, you no, know, it's a spirit in which we enter. Absolutely. It is not a ongoing. Cause I do, I do love, I enjoy reading. I mean, I enjoy, I don't have my PhD just so you know, so we're clear about that, but <laughs> I, I do enjoy reading and I enjoy the process and I I love just like taking little extra chunks on that day. Absolutely. You know, not away from the family, but more just like with the family and reading and, and the kids know I go on prayer walks and so I'm like, I'm going to a prayer walk. Anybody wants to come? Like sometimes they'll, they'll be like, no, we're good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> and then other times when they're there, it's a little bit more, you know, it's a prayer walk that's very distracted and, um, and I'm praying for my own attitude on that walk or whatever. But, um, but I also think there's something important Sabbath and marriage because we're on this mm. and you're describing your day. Mm. Yep. I want to talk about the Sabbath and yep. marriage and I want to talk about the Sabbath with kids, but one thing, and I don't need details, but I want to talk about Sabbath sex because that's, Sabbath a, sex. that is something that you talked about in your book. And I'm, yes. and I'm grateful that you did because I actually think there is something to that. Yes. There's something interesting. And so I just want to yeah, okay. hit me with that. So if there are any, single people listening to this, I need to give voice to the fact that we have done a tremendous job in the church, uh, making single people feel like lepers in our communities, yes. that they have failed, that there's yes. something wrong, and that singleness is something to be healed. I want to remind the church, it is called celebrate recovery, not celibate recovery. Oh. Our job is not to get people married. Our job is to help people follow Jesus. That's our assignment <laughs> in the world. I love okay. that. Thank you. So for the single person who's listening to this, I want to speak directly to you. The Sabbath does not need to be a, a day where you are alone. God mm -hmm. calls us to friendships and yes. communities. Yes. And if don't fear that this is a day where God is telling you, you have to be home and bored. Yes. Okay. I, I also that. want to speak to the married people and recognize that there has been in the history of J the Jewish faith, but also in the early Christian tradition, this idea that the Sabbath was God's blessing to marriages. And actually when you read Jewish literature and even the Puritans of all people, the Sabbath was the day where you were anointed by God to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> 
my friend Nancy Sleeth, who yeah. was uh, she, Nancy and Matthew Sleeth. I think uh, you shared this story in the yeah, book, did well, you? She, she was she's Jewish and she was raised in a Jewish home and she yes. talks about her dad. She remembers as a kid before the Sabbath on the night of the Sabbath, her dad would come home with a bouquet of flowers and a really weird smile on his face. <laughs> he knew like this was the day. <laughs> so excited to come home you know shabbat shalom <laughs> the kids are like the kids God always made this like flowers forever they never yeah. knew what that face meant but now they know what that <laughs> face they know. meant. like oh yeah. gosh dad has a face on yeah and even people i've i've heard stories of people who are like raised around sabbath and they would always talk about how on the sabbath their parents would always take a air quotes they would take a nap and always lock their door and they'd be like why are you locking your door on the sabbath so we're saying and then they're like later on they figure out all this to say like, what if the Sabbath is God's blessing of a day to enjoy one another's bodies in the way God created you to do it? And Lord knows we're all so stinking distracted and focusing mm. on other things. What if God gave Sabbath to married couples as a day to put all that stuff aside and once again come back to that that man and that woman that you said yes to years ago? And I will testify anecdotally, I don't have a study just anecdote says Sabbath sex is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. I, all, all I can say is yes. And my kids know about the locked door and we always say, and if they're listening, which yep. they're not yet, but in the future they're already, we have these conversations already, but we get, we, we decide we're going to be open culture. We're going to talk about sex. Well, obviously our kids know about it and we're not like, if they ask us questions about it, we're going to be open and honest, but it, it started getting a little bit, even sketchy recently because like Scarlett would would come and she would ask I think I've shared this here before but she would be like hey guys why is your door locked we're like we're taking a nap uh, <laughs> a nap that's that, the, the that's, parental that, line I, right I'm there. not even kidding that was the exact when yeah. door locked and nap is yeah. like what we use and then she and then she's like but th so then she came to realize like wait you guys do this not to just have kids and we're like no like this is something yeah. you can do all the time it's okay yeah. and she's like then she gets specific she goes yeah. well when was the last time I was like well, what's today? And she's like, <laughs> she's like Wednesday. I was like, do you really want to know? And yes. she's like, yeah. I was like, uh, Saturday. And she's like, oh my gosh, when was it? Oh, I know when it was. Oh, the door was locked. I knew you guys were yes. doing something. And I was like, yes. I was like, I don't know if this is really healthy or really messed up. I mean, it's what it is now. But I think there's a part of what you're saying that is really healthy, even for. You know, I know it's messed up for kids to think about their parents. Obviously, we get all that. But I think there's also something so good for the family to know that parents love each other enough yes. that they're actually being intimate. You don't want to know details. You don't want to visualize. Yes. Obviously. Yes, 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 yes. But the point is to know that that locked door represents commitment. Yes. And it, it I think there's something there. It's a time powerful. bomb because, you know, like my son is my, my son, my son is 11 and he's just now beginning to wake up to the realities of what sex is. Yes. And we're yes, talking to yes. the birds and the bees conversations. All that. And I love that there's going to be a moment down the road when the time bomb is going to go off and he's going to realize all of it. They weren't just locking their door. There was other stuff going on. <laughs> and I love that that will like, he will remember that the Sabbath was often what kept his parents married. Yes. Like what a gift from God. Yeah. Like that memory for him. Yes. Uh, he Again, he doesn't need to know the details. I just love that he will always remember that every, that Sabbath, their door was locked and, and I would get to watch a movie <laughs> when they were taking a nap. <laughs> and and, and every kids. once in a while, he got to watch two movies <laughs> on a Sabbath. It was a rare Sabbath, but from time to time, it happened. <laughs> 
It rarely happened. <laughs> but man, when Mo- it did. <laughs> when it did. Oh my gosh, I have so many funny things. I'd love to say that I'll, I'll reserve. Uh, but I, but you know, I think that idea. <laughs> two movies, man. That's a long time. Uh, that's it three, rarely yeah, happens. Three but hours, man, when it happens, when it happens yeah, those are great. Those are Sabbaths. great Sabbaths. But I think the point. I think to your point though. <laughs> Well, you could also be napping. Like there could be both right, in, right? right? Like I think right, that's right, a, that's, right. that's yeah. also great. But um, I, w- I was just gonna say, I think it's so fun to to connect those deep things. Like even you, I, you know, in one part we're joking, but another part I think it's really serious. Like to connect good food and some of your favorite foods yes. with these good days. And we even know, you know, brain science how connected uh, those moments are to our memory and yeah. how they stay there and yeah. how they're foundational yeah. comforting safe thoughts i was reading this uh, neuroscientist uh, a number of years ago talk about how when when you put people in a room together and you sing together when there's corporate singing how there's way more going on than just the song our brains are attuning to each other there's a deeper emotional connection there's more stuff that's going on than just singing where else in our culture are we singing together anymore other than the church? Wow. It becomes the shared environment where we're singing together. Hmm. And for marriages, there are so few protected, guarded spaces where we are doing stuff together. There's so much more going on than just pancakes. Yes. There's neural connections being made. Yeah. There's emotional uh, I, I, I'm attuning to my son. To yes, there is. It is. You, if you think it's about maple syrup, you are missing the point. The brilliance. Yes. yes, the maple syrup is a cover for what the Bible calls koinonia. Yeah, fellowship. Fellowship. Like yeah. deep resonance of hearts and souls and spirits. And so, the Sabbath provides, as it were, a framework for the good stuff. But it's not about the. It's actually not about just the Sabbath, yeah, which yeah. becomes for Jesus a major point of contention. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath yes, was made for us. Not. Yes, And the point is, when we yes. become enslaved to the day, slavery is not rest. You cannot be a slave and be at rest at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It is given to us in order to be a blessing to us, to marriages, to kids, to, to churches, to pastors. It's a blessing to everyone. Never. Yes. So two things I want to talk about before our time's up, because it's 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 rapidly closing. Uh, the first I'd love to talk about is the intentional uh, Sabbath community. So yeah. family. So having Sabbath with kids, right? Um, I think there's some. I'd love to touch on that, and then I want to talk about preparing for the Sabbath because okay. I think that's equally as important. So tell us a little bit about that, and I know that you shared with that in the book. And again, subversive Sabbath, we'll, we'll leave it in the show notes yep. so you can get the book, but get the book, go through it. But I just want to just whet the appetite here for a minute. And then I want to talk about how to prepare yep. for it. The, the, the idea of how do you do this with kids? How do you do it with grandparents? How do you do it with siblings? How do you do it? I cannot tell you how many times I have stood in front of a parent who said, how do I do this with kids? And I simply do not know how to answer the question. It is such a hard, hard question to answer yes. in our cultural moment where grandparents live in different states. Mm. We don't have family that lives with us. One kid is doing baseball one day and another kid is doing Taekwondo on another day. How do you do it? And my answer is I don't want to be cynical. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the goal. I think the goal is that we try. Yes. 
And that is that we, we do everything in our power and control to carve out time to rest together. But in a world where we're fragmented and we don't live together, it's impossible to do it perfectly. Well, can, it's so hard. So can I, something that you're saying that's kind of highlighting something for me that maybe I'm sure you have thoughts about with that is as you're sharing all that, and, and I know this just from lived experience, and like you shared earlier, the, the six days before Sabbath are so important to experience Sabbath, right? Like yeah. the preparation piece of like how you're living throughout the whole week affects that day. Yeah. But what I'm also thinking when it comes to parents uh, that have kids that are, I know I have kids that are 13, 10, that's one yeah. stage of life and six and four, that's another stage of life. So there's a lot of things as an example that we consciously say no to mm-hmm. because we know that it will literally upset the rhythm of yeah. our week as a family. Yep. So I wonder if some of that, you're asking the big question of how do I fit my unsabbathed life, all these other six days into this one day? I think it starts with laying out your whole life in mm. some ways and looking at, okay, we have these, what what things can we say yes to or do we need to say yes to? What are the things we have to say no to to honor this? So it, yeah. it actually might be, more of an overhaul than you're thinking. And and maybe even I know for us, it's been such a process and I don't think there's again, legalism around it, but it's like, there's only one way to really do this. And it takes a whole mental shift of how you're moving through the world with how do you let your kids play sports or that sport this season? Because maybe you don't, because maybe that's not the right call for right now. So you can actually make sure that your your family can honor that. I love Ephesians 5 where Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. I love that invitation because Hmm. he doesn't actually exactly say what it is. Like you have to like learn how to do it. Like you, you, he does, he lays out a ton of stuff to do, but it's almost like, you know, when you get married, you don't know how to please your spouse. When you have a best friend, you have to learn how to please your best friend. Yeah. When, like learning to please somebody takes time, effort, and a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And I think every parent who's going to try this out, you are going to learn through the terrain of mistakes. And you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And every mistake, learn from it and grow the next week, week in, week out. On on the on the preparation for the Sabbath thing, it turns out yes. the Jews really did master this. Yes. There was uh, what's called a day of preparation, which was the day before the Sabbath where you get ready for the Sabbath. Yes. And I think the principle behind this is that never in history has anybody ever accidentally Sabbathed. You have to be <laughs> wildly intentional, and yes. it actually takes a lot of work to rest. And you have to prepare. You have to pay the bills. You got to move along. You got to get the stuff done so that on the day you can actually stop and breathe. And the irony, right? Uh, the book of Hebrews says, make every effort to enter into his rest. The irony of how much work it is to rest. It's hard yes. work. But I, I want to, I, can I close by saying this? It is hard work to rest, but I want to remind us of the rhythm of God's rest in Genesis 1 and 2. God made Adam, the man and the woman, on day six. The same day, by the way, that the beasts were made. And that's a point of humility. We We are creatures like the rest of the creatures yeah we're different we're made in the image of god but we're creatures we were made on day six day seven was a day of rest and the order there is really important because if you were the man and the woman the first man and the woman what was their first day of existence it was rest wow they began with rest they did not begin with work yes the rhythm the american rhythm is you work six days for the weekend Hmm. god's rhythm is you start with rest And out of that, you do your work. Hmm. And without the rest, that is, by the way, I think the first image of the gospel in the Bible. Um, We do not work to be loved by Jesus. We are loved by Jesus. And out of that, we do our work. 
but don't mess the rhythm up. Yes. If you think you work and then Jesus loves you, that's a false gospel. Yes. The gospel is before you do a lick of work, you're loved and affirmed by your Father in heaven in the grace of Jesus. And out of that, you get your work done. We don't begin with work. We begin with rest. And out of that, we do the work. And I, I love how you said uh, in the book, I know you mentioned this and you even just said it about, you know, the Jewish culture getting this right, like getting it very right. And uh, you've been to Israel. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I think I remember you saying that. I, I assumed as much, but I didn't want to just say, oh, you've been to Israel. Uh so <laughs> when when did when did you go? A couple of years ago. Yeah, and it was life-changing. So Unbelievable my, my, myself as well, I think it was I think it was 2018 for me, uh somewhere around there. And I ended up going on this random trip with some some people. It was this crazy uh it, it was a trip that was put on by this company and I got invited to go on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. so I go on this I go on this trip and I don't know anybody. I get paired up with a bus buddy and it's this trip where they just show you all of Israel right. and they're, you know, and um, the thing that I noticed, I'll tell you about, well, first of all, I'll tell you about what I noticed in a second. So I get, I get there, I get paired up with my bus buddy and you, you have to have a bus buddy. Cause when you get on the bus, <laughs> there's too many people. You can be like, is my buddy here? And then you point at your buddy. So my buddy is like this, this older guy, he has a really big beard and I'm like, okay, he'll be easy to spot. So I'm like sitting there getting to know him like, pastoral style like who are you what what's your life what do you do and he's just sharing his life and his story and he's like well i hunt and i was like okay cool like what do you hunt and he's like well ducks i was like okay cool like do you guys like is that what what you know tell me more about that (laughs) and it's like yeah we started a duck company we kind of have the show it's like what's the show called he's like duck dynasty and i was like wait wait duck dynasty i've heard of this before and and i had no idea it was like jace from the one of the brothers from this ducks dynasty show he's my bus buddy i had no idea I mean, I just, I wasn't a, an avid Duck Dynasty guy. Great dude. But I ended up doing all of Israel with, with this guy, Jace, and his wife. They're very sweet people, his wife. And, and his, actually his kids and then his son's wife was there with him. We had a great time. But we were walking um, down, like downtown Israel. No, downtown Jerusalem. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, right, Just right by the temple. Or not downtown, but by the temple. And it was Friday afternoon. Yeah, and what yeah. you described in the book, yes, I remember yes. experiencing in yes. the flesh for the first time. The city time. shuts down. It's it shuts down, but the excitement. Yeah. The yeah, people exci- running home. Running home. But yeah. I just like people going out and getting things. And then then this three-hour meal that we experienced that yes. night um, going into the next day, I had just never seen anything like it. And I, I know for me, it, it just gave me this desire to be like, I want to bring this yes, home. Yes. Uh, but what was that like for you? I just want to... Oh, know. same thing. I mean, I, I just... To, to see a society structured around rest. I mean, as an American, I'm 41 years old. I can remember one day in my 41 years of life that resembles anything of our society at rest. And it was September 11th, 2001. Oh, wow. When planes flew into the towers in the field in Pennsylvania, the Pentagon. That's Everyone great. went home, yeah. called their family, stopped working, and the planes stopped flying in the skies. And sadly, we live in a moment where it literally, it takes tragedy for us to rest now. Wow. And to see a, a society that doesn't need a tragedy to rest, they actually want to do it. It's mind-blowing. It's just it, mind-blowing. It is. It I want it desperately. I want. It. I do too. I like. I wish. Like. I remember Christmas. I used to look forward to that. But now so many things are open on Christmas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. I remember thinking, oh, it's just so great when everything yep. was just. There's something that happens in your spirit. Yep. Um. So okay. So we're gonna close out here. If there's one thing that you can encourage the family, 
the mom, the dad, mm. the, the single person, mm. anybody that's a follower of Jesus around this topic yeah. of the Sabbath, what would you want to encourage people? Okay, there, we have talked about a ton of reasons to do it. And I, I love all those reasons. The health benefits are crazy. You know, like it's great for marriages. It's great for everybody. It's great for kids. It's a win across the board. But here's what I would say. Don't do it for the blessings. Do it for the obedience. And that is, I think Jesus actually knew. I think God knew what he was talking about mm. when he said, remember the Sabbath day. So I think he actually knew that this was something that we needed. And we're called to, we're called by, by God to, to honor this and to obey it. Not in a legalistic sense, but we're called to do it. And it is an act of loving God. It is yes. not just an act of going out to try to get health benefits. We do it because we're called to do it. And we're called to obey the words of Jesus. And when he says, pray that I don't return on the Sabbath in Matthew, it's almost like he's saying he intended it would still be going on by the time he came back. <laughs> wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. That's that, really that insightful. Do it because God said to do it for no other reason. Because God invites us to it. Not slavishly, but because our father knows us best. Yes. Start with that. Start. I have Start to say that. thank you. Thank you for this time, for your generosity of time, and thank you for your wisdom and taking all this time to learn this out and then depositing it into this space. Yeah. Uh, so real p pleasure. Thank you for doing this. And thank you, Brooke and Elizabeth and Diane and Phil for the work that you do in supporting um, those of us who have no idea what we're doing. Thank you for serving us. And <laughs> Dude, we're us. welcome to the club. None of us do. We're all just on this journey together. Yeah. So appreciate you, AJ. We'll have you on again. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.